And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. the culture. It's four to six A to B, competitive excellence, and the brotherhood. The plan to win uh, has never changed. So the culture here and the plan to win is always going to be here at Ohio State. Welcome back to 4 to 6 with A&B, your Ohio State podcast, brought to you by The Athletic. This is Bill Landis, joined by my best friend in the whole wide world, Ari Wasserman. Ari, how you doing? I'm doing really well, Bill. How are you? I'm doing great. Um, just, you know, trying to become a five-star quarterback so that Ohio State will recruit me, because apparently that's all Ohio State does anymore, is get five-star quarterbacks. That's literally all they do. Um, I guess it's a good thing that that's the only thing that you do. Yeah, if you're going to do one thing, that's a good thing to do. Uh, Ohio State landed a commitment on, what's today? We're recording on Wednesday. It was Monday night. It was like I was sitting around all day Monday because I knew that Monday was Dylan Rayola's birthday and that I had heard that he was probably going to commit on his birthday. I had this, I've had the story written for like two weeks. Um, and like waiting around all day and then like at 7 o'clock, I remember that he's on West Coast time. So then he finally announces his commitment. It was like, I think it was after 11 o'clock Eastern time. It might have been close to midnight Eastern time on, on Monday night. Uh, he finally uh, announces his commitment to Ohio State. He is, depending on who you ask, the number one quarterback in the class of 2024. He will play at Chandler High School in Chandler, Arizona, in, near Ari's old stomping grounds. Uh, as, as a junior, he played high school ball in Texas last year. And we are here again, Ari, with Ryan Day, landing if not the best quarterback in the class the guy who's certainly in the conversation for that and like i suppose we keep showering ryan dave with praise for for doing so but he's he's kind of making a habit of it so ohio state now has one more year of cj stroud 
And then there'll be one year of Kyle McCord in between. Cause I don't think they'll take a, a quarterback in 2023. And then it's going to be the uh, Riola show. So it's one, yeah. One year Stroud McCord versus Devin Brown to, to be, yeah. to be the next guy. I, I'm like very curious to see what they do in, in 2023. Um, they don't appear to have much traction with, with many or any of the top guys in that class. The one, the one guy who's kind of interesting to me is uh, Dylan Lonergan, who I know has been here a few times. He wants to play baseball. I, th- I think Ohio state is like willing to play ball for lack of a better term with, with that idea. Um, I still don't know if he ends up coming here. And then like, if it's not him, then you go pretty far down the list. I think, um, they were recruiting a kid named Zane Flores, who is from Nebraska, who ended up committing to Oklahoma State, who was a lower-rated guy. And I think that would probably be the profile of the player they take if they take one in this class. But I think this 23 cycle might be the first time we see Ryan Day not take a big-time quarterback, which I think is okay. I'm not actually on board with the idea that you need a quarterback in every class, especially when we recruit position as well as Ohio State does. And, and certainly, I think you can get away with not having one in 2023 when you have Kyle McCord and Devin Brown on your roster already and now Dylan Rayola coming in 2024. Yeah, I, I wouldn't want to see Ohio State take a two-star or a three-star, well, not a two-star, but a three-star quarterback that isn't going to play. I don't ever see the value in that. So... You know, I guess if they get to a point next year for some reason or in two years from now where they need to find a quarterback just for numbers, then you can go to the portal for a desperation-type play. But I don't know that they need to go find a quarterback in 23 to just plug in just for the sake of saying they got one. Yeah, I mean, they, they could very well need someone next year. Like if C.J. Stroud's going to go to the NFL draft, Kyle McCord and Devin Brown do their thing to try to – replace him and then if one of those guys decides he wants to leave after the spring or something like that then you only have one quarterback and then that's obviously not great um but i think in that situation that's when you go portaling um it's you could you you could add a high school guy there i mean there are plenty of high school quarterbacks who would jump with the opportunity to come to ohio state i just don't know like you said if you want to in a world where like ohio state's not often signing 25 guys and maybe those rules are going to change um with the portal stuff, like I don't know if you just like throw an offer at some kid that you know has no shot at playing here just to have like a warm body in your quarterback room. Um, I think in that situation, I'd, I'd rather go into the portal to see if you can't find someone who's willing to come here knowing they're going to be the backup. But, you know, there are worse places to be the number two quarterback. So I think that's probably the more likely scenario. Um, I'm like working on a mailbag and there's a bunch of questions about like 2023 quarterback recruits and like who are names to watch. And like, frankly, I'm not I'm not totally sure. Um what they're going to do in that class because there's not a lot of obvious traction there. But again, not the end of the world because Dylan Rayola is coming in 24 and he looks really good. Um, I don't know if you've had much, if any time to get like an impression of him, but if you haven't, maybe just what are your thoughts on kind of Ohio state doing this yet again? Yeah, I, uh, I think it's remarkable. Um, Landing a five-star national quarterback is the hardest thing to do in recruiting, yes? Uh, yeah, I think so. So if that's the case, and Ohio State's doing it so regularly that it's becoming to feel normal, that's a pretty remarkable thing to do. So Ryan Day deserves all the credit in the world for that. Um, I was shocked when Devin Brown chose Ohio State last year because Quinn Ewers was on the team still, wasn't he, when when he committed? Or did he uh, only transfer? I can't remember. He was, but I, I think there were probably some conversations that about where that was headed. Okay. But still, with, with C.J. Stroud and McCord in the way, 
the the frequency in which they've been able to do it has been great for them. Mm-hmm. I would not be surprised if there was a discussion in place with a 2024 quarterback who's a few years out from graduating high school about what they're going to do in 2023. And I would not be surprised if they don't sign a quarterback at all. Um, so the fact that Ohio State continues to do what they're doing at this position is just a reminder not to freak out when the Quinn Ewers things happen because they're going to happen. And in a year from now, Devin Brown might leave or Kyle McCord might leave. You know, just speaking um, generally, not with any information, but just saying that these things are going to continue to happen. But it's a reminder to know that Ohio State has always been in a position for the last 10 years plus to have a straight direct line path for future quarterback play, which I think is a very instrumental part about running a a stable and successful long-term program. And there are a lot of programs that find themselves in a position where they don't know who their guy is going to be next. And by saying not knowing who their guy is going to be, I don't mean that there's an impending battle. I mean, they don't know, they don't have a body. Um, And that is something that Ohio state has not only avoided, but has done exceedingly well. in. so, you know, right now, the fact that you and I can sit here on this podcast and say, hey, we know who Ohio State's quarterback is going to be in 2022. We know two people who may be the quarterback in 2023, and then you have this stud coming in in 2024. You could theoretically map out, even if, even if unsuccessfully, um, the next seven years or six years of Ohio State starting quarterback, and I think that's a very comforting thing to have yep. at this level. So uh, I've done this a few times now because, again, this is a trend. Um, I sort of like update it every time Ohio State gets a quarterback commit. So going back to the 2020 recruiting class, the the top 30 quarterbacks by their 247 sports composite rating, regardless of class, Ohio State has signed or gotten a commitment and we'll assume Dylan Riola will sign five of them, uh, which is absurd. I think the next closest team has two Oklahoma, I think, I think is what it was. I don't have the list in front of me. It might be three, but even still, five is five is crazy. Um, and at the moment, three of those guys are on their current roster, um, and one will be coming in, in twenty twenty four. So it is. It's a. It's a. Remarkable but a third of them also transfer too. So it's also a reminder that that is part of the game now. Yeah, yeah, it happens. It happens. But yeah. as long as I, I never had any doubt that Ohio State was going to continue to show an ability to do this, but as, as long as they have it, which is to say, like as long as Ryan Day is here, because I do think. Whatever you might think of Ryan Day as a head coach, and and I guess there could be some mixed feelings out there about that given how last year went, he is a tremendous evaluator and developer of quarterback talent, and, and his reputation is such now that the best players at the most important position are always going to have Ohio State on their list, and, and more often than not, Ohio State's going to get a guy of that of that caliber, um, and as long as that happens, um, I think they'll be in pretty good shape. I have, I have a question as it relates to that, but just quickly um, – I want to give some thoughts on like Dylan Rayola as as a player, which is kind of silly because he's a high school sophomore. Um, but and now kind of- brought to you by Speedstick, Landis's X's and O's breakdown. Bump up, bump on. Thank you, appreciate that. Uh, by the Speed way, Speedstick owes us a bag. <laughs> yeah, Speedstick. If you want to drop a bag on four to six with A and B, we're, we're here. Or uh, I use Degree. If you want to, if Degree wants to do it too, degree. I use. Uh, I'm ashamed to admit what I use. Tell me, no, I got to know. I pay. How much do you pay for a deodorant stick? Uh, I think I buy the two pack of Degree from Target, and it's like five five bucks, maybe. My deodorant sticks are like eighteen dollars. What is it, what's it made out of? Ice cream. <laughs> I, I 
somebody gave me a YSL deodorant once. Yves Saint Laurent. Yves <laughs> Yves Saint Laurent. And I was like, why would I ever use this? I just was an Old Spice person. And Old Spice is totally fine. I like the, the smells of Old Spice, and that's the shower gel that I use. Me too. But this deodorant is amazing. It smells amazing. It lasts the longest. And even through showers, the scent persists. Nice. And it lasts a long time. I think that the stick lasts twice as long as a regular degree stick. So even though it's more expensive, it does have more uh, staying power. So I just love it, and, I, and I'm ashamed to admit that I spend $18 a stick on deodorant. If YSL wants to drop a bag on us too, by all means, do that as well. You know what's I've weird? I've been dropping uh, bags on them lately, I'll tell you that much. I, uh, I'm allergic. Like my, like I break out when I use Old Spice deodorant, but I use Old Spice body wash, and it's fine. Which kind do you use? Uh, I mix it. Or that make you break out, I mean. Oh, uh, whatever. The, do you use the, the like solid, do you use solid like white chalky or do you use like the blue gel? The blue gel makes me break out. Interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. And it, let me tell you, that is pretty painful <laughs> when you get your skin breaking out in your armpits and you're just Yeah, that sucks. It's pretty terrible. Um, anyway, I don't know what kind of deodorant Dylan Riola uses, but I'm sure some company someday will pay him a lot of money for t- to tell people which deodorant uh, he uses. He he has an interesting background. His dad uh, is former NFL offensive lineman Dominic Riola, like a legend at Nebraska. I think his number is like in Memorial Stadium at Nebraska, retired. Um, sucks. I can't believe Scott Frost didn't get a person like that. Um, Was this Joe he, Burrow all over again or what? Yeah, yeah, but yeah probably. Um, he, his family is Hawaiian. He, he played in Texas, spent some time in the Midwest, obviously, because his dad played for the Lions. Um, when he was in Texas, his high school coach was John Kitna. <laughs> and now he is at Chandler, Arizona, and his quarterback's coach is, um, uh, why am I forgetting his name? Who is the, the Stanton guy from Michigan State? Why am I forgetting his first Drew name? Drew Stanton. Drew Stanton. Oh, my goodness. Drew Stanton is his position coach at Michigan State. Um, so that's kind of interesting. I, I, I no at Chandler, at Chandler. Sorry, did I say at Michigan State? Yes. he's not at Michigan State. Yeah, we're humming along he's not here. A, he's he's not at Michigan State. And your internet connection's holding on for dear life right now. So we got to get you. To, you're you're kind of you're you're all over the place right now. I turned my video off. Did that help at all? Yeah. No, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Uh, he he is built like the son of an offensive lineman. Like he's he's got an interesting sort of like physical profile of, for a quarterback. He's like he's 6'3", 225 pounds as a kid who's going into his junior year of high school. He's got like a like he's built like pretty thick like through the lower half as you'd like expect an offensive lineman to be. But he's got a lot of athleticism too. And I know people have like compared him to Patrick Mahomes. I think just because they kind of look alike in terms of like their body. Um, not to say he's going to be Patrick Mahomes, but um, there's a lot to like there. Obviously, good good like playmaking, really strong arm, underrated athletic ability. Has a long way to go in his development, but like if you watch him very quickly, you realize why Ohio State kind of fell in love with a guy like this and kind of built this relationship quickly. Because I thought for a long time, and I think others did too, that Jaden Davis was going to be the quarterback in this class. Um, he's a very different kind of athlete than Jaden Davis, just much bigger physically. Um, not to say Jaden Davis won't be good, because I think he will be, but I think you know we see NFL teams fall in love with big guys at the position all the time, and I think that happened with Ohio State here. Uh, my question for you, Ari, is. We've talked a lot the last couple episodes about Ohio State's recruiting, whether or not there's cause for concern, just sort of with how this class is coming together, and and if 
if the landscape is changing around Ohio State in a way that the composition of their classes might be a little different than, than we're accustomed to. Um, I don't know if that's going to be the case or not. We're just kind of theorizing on it. But say say that is the case and Ohio State isn't quite doing like what it did in 2017 or 2018 or what it did in 2021. Still good classes, but not quite to that level. If they continue to recruit the quarterback position this way, does that do anything to allay your concerns about that? Um. I think it would have if it were still 2017 when having an elite-level quarterback was a distinct advantage. But in order for Ohio State to win a playoff game and a national title, they are going to have to face another five-star quarterback. So the fact that the number one thing that you need in your program is basically just a, a feeding ground right now and you just can choose who you want is obviously one of the most advantageous things a college football program could have. But I do still think that in order for Ohio State to be who the fans listening to this podcast want it to be and could be and should be, in my opinion, you got to have it across the board. So I don't know if um, this is something that is going to help Ohio State maintain what it is in spite of that. I still think that the expectations and the need of signing those types of classes is still very apparent to me. Someone asked me, and I, I wish I would have saved it on Twitter after the first time we kind of bro- broached this topic, whether or not Ohio State can exist similar to the way that Clemson existed for the couple of years when it won its two national championships, where if you look back at those classes, they were good classes. They weren't great classes. They weren't Alabama, Georgia, even Ohio State level classes. But what they had was Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence and whether or not Ohio State can operate that way moving forward. Do you think they could? Well, let me ask you that. I mean, it's kind of hard to answer because I think that um, Clemson's staff, with all the continuity they've had, and, and Dabo has a long track record of um, being one of the best evaluating staffs in the country. And even though they didn't have those star-studded classes that you know the Alabama and Georgias were signing. They still signed top 10 classes, and a lot of the players that were underrated in those classes turned out to be first-round draft picks. And to compare Ohio State to that Clemson would be to assume that who they hired um, now during a transitional period would illustrate those same skill sets. So I do think that I believe that Ohio State will be more talented than the teams that they play 80 80 to 90, 95% of the time but I don't know if I'm willing to give them the Clemson accolade when they haven't signed a class yet. Hey, that's fair. It is. It's it's an interesting comparison for me though because like you mentioned the continuity. It's like I don't, like Ryan Day is going to be here a while. Like if if this Jim Knowles hire was the right hire, it's like is he can he be Ryan Day's version of Brent Venables? And like you just have that stability on both sides of the ball. Because Ryan Day is the offensive coordinator. So the offense is the offense. The defense is Jim Knowles' defense. You evaluate the players to fit into both of those sides. And on top of that, you bring in the quarterback every year. I don't know. I feel like I feel like that could work. And again, it's not it's not I'm not saying that like Ohio State is about to take a step, step back in recruiting. That's not what I'm saying at all. But if something were to change along those lines, I I guess I can kind of see where that person is coming from if you if you because it, it there's a illustration of how that could still be successful and it's very recent and how Clemson got it done for you know four years with those two quarterbacks absolutely and you know having a quarterback is a prereq to winning it all 
So if you don't have one, and I, I guess last year's, I know I thought I, I felt myself saying the same thing earlier today, and I was like, "Shit, Stetson Bennett won a national championship." I know, last but year. do we actually think that Georgia had the best defense in college football history last year? Yeah, oh, I mean, in the conversation, certainly. So you know, there are exceptions to the rule. So I, I guess I can't say it's a prereq to having, but if you go look at the quarterbacks who have won national titles the last ten years, overwhelmingly. Off the top of my head, I think eight out of the last ten are at least playing in the NFL right now. Mm-hmm. And one of the teams who benched a quarterback uh, in the national championship game, the one that got benched is also an NFL starter. Yeah. So, like, there, there's a lot of quarterback talent. And, you know, to be able to illustrate that you have that, like Ohio State going into the season with C.J. Stroud as, his, as its quarterback makes Ohio State a legitimate national championship contender despite the fact that they've got a lot of questions on defense still. And it's like that to me is a legitimizing force for your football team. And if you have a guy that can go, what's the way you always say, go get a bucket mm-hmm. for you, um, then you have a you have a chance to win games that you might have lost if you didn't. So, I mean, Ohio State, I'm like a little worried about the way that I've been talking about Ohio State recruiting the last few weeks on multiple platforms because I think it's starting to get received as – Ari thinks Ohio State sucks and they can't recruit anymore and they're in trouble and all that. And I don't ever want that to be the case. So I want to make sure I take a moment. There was a thread on me about 11 Warriors last week about how I hate Ohio State because people lack uh, critical thinking skills sometimes. But (laughs) I don't hate Ohio State. I am a reporter who is voicing reasonable theories about what could happen um, in the near future. But I do think that Ohio State is one of the three best recruiting juggernauts in the sport and will continue to be that even if they take a, a step back this year. I think if they take a step back this year, it's not a, a swipe at Ryan Day and his staff. I think that there are rational reasons for that out of their control. Um, so in order for them to win a national championship, I still think that the classes that they signed last year and the year before have to be the vast majority, if not all of them, mm-hmm. especially as you found out in the wonderful story that you wrote this week about the concentration of five-star prospects and how, how they go to the same places. You take a class off from getting them, you're going to be in trouble. But I do think that they are obviously one of the best recruiting programs in the country. And if I have to like clarify that, then I'm sorry, but I, that I, <laughs> I I don't know if you felt that I'm like down on Ohio State as a program. I am just caution. I'm I'm giving caution to the fact that they could take a step back this year, which I think is fair and rational. Yeah, I and I'm just sort of interested in in how it plays out, given how the landscape is changing a little bit around them. Like you said, like a lot, like it's like they had no power over like the Florida schools hiring seemingly competent coaches and Texas and you know, like Oregon and USC kind of maybe doing the same thing. Like there's nothing they can do about that. Just makes their life a little harder. It's not to say they won't overcome it. I think they, my guess is they probably will overcome it. If Ohio uh, state signs a class with 10 top 100 players in it this year and four or five star prospects, would that be the best recruiting job of any staff at Ohio state since the beginning of our tenure covering this team? Yeah, I think, I think the only thing you would, put up against it is the 2013 class which like seemed to like open a lot of bar- like open a lot of doors for Ohio State moving yeah. forward. Yeah. Because like the fact that you would even hold it to that regard because all I said was they're going to put together a class that they've done the last two or three years in a row 
if you believe that it would be one of their best recruiting jobs, then you also accept and believe that the the obstacles that I've outlined are real. Yeah. And that's all I want from from people, to understand that it's just going to be harder this year. And if it's harder and it results in a step back, then that is life. But if they overcome that, then it will give me a whole new respect, a respect that I haven't lost for the program um, in terms of what they're able to do. And I'm very curious to see what Ohio State does in a world where it's more challenging than it usually is. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep. You heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, let's move off that. Um, I have a – I'm working on a mailbag, as I said. Actually, at this point, it ended up being like a two-parter, one that runs this week and, and the second part that runs next week because some of the questions are really good. Um, I wanted to pull out a couple that I'm probably not going to answer in written form that I thought we could answer on this show and keep this a little bit of a, of a shorter show than we do normally. So uh, the first question. Landis, can I interrupt you real quick? Yeah. I'm sorry. I know that's annoying. Do we want to talk about your story for like five minutes? Yeah, we can. Yeah, it wasn't. Yeah, it was really can. good and it was revelatory about Ohio State. So why don't you just like sure. take two minutes and run through the numbers? If you haven't read the story, Landis broke down um, which programs have been best at developing five-star prospects. And most of the programs are the ones that you would expect got the most. But oh, how does Ohio State stack up in that? And what's your takeaway from yeah, that? Yeah, thank thank you for doing that because I think it wasn't it wasn't necessarily an Ohio State story, but there's obviously Ohio State information in there. Um, yeah, so I just went back through the last five draft eligible recruiting classes and looked at how well programs did at turning their five star prospects into first round picks because that's the assumption that I think we make with five star prospects is they're going to be first round picks or they're going to be early round draft picks and like there were. There have been 80, was it 86 of these players were drafted over the span that I looked at, and almost 60% of them were first or second round draft picks. So that's what we're talking about. It's like, that's the expectation. How well do you do at actually getting guys to that point? And Alabama, like to no one's surprise, was the best. 10 first rounders out of 12 guys who were drafted, 12 guys drafted out of 25 star prospects they signed. No one comes close to sniffing that. Um, but I thought Ohio State came out looking pretty good here. Uh, they've had 13, so not as much as Alabama and Georgia each had 20, which was the most. Ohio State has 13. Eight of those 13 were drafted so far. Two of them are still in school, Zach Harrison and, and Teron Vincent. So there's still time for them to get drafted. Uh, four of the eight drafted were first-rounders. And I think we, we I was on Stars Matter with you and Mitch Light, and we talked about this a little bit too. Like what, what is like the most important data point in all this? And, and I think – 
its average draft position, like combined with with just how many guys get drafted at your average draft position. And Ohio State's average draft position was 55, which is that of a, of a second-round pick. So like I, that, that's pretty good. Um, that's actually very good kind of in the context of, of, of all this here. So um, I I wasn't surprised because I – like I, I've never thought to myself like, man, Ohio State gets five star prospects and doesn't develop them well. Uh, I, I've kind of always thought they have, for the most part. But it was nice to kind of see it kind of sort of crystallize here compared to other programs. And I think, while it doesn't have the sheer number of first rounders as a program like Alabama, compared to everyone else who kind of operates in the same sort of rare air in the sport, they do very well for themselves when it comes to turning their five star prospects into first round picks or high draft picks. I guess I should say. But anyway, yeah, I wrote that. Um, I went up on the Athletic on Wednesday. If you go to the the headline is Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, which program develops five star prospects the best? You can go to that link and sign up. If you're not signed up there, you can go to four to six or theathletic.com slash four dash six. You can sign up there and read a story too. Um, it's data driven, a lot of numbers. Um, I know that's not everyone's thing, but I did I did think it's it was an interesting way I thought to look at draft development in a way that I, I think does not get talked about all that much because it's something that gets taken for granted a lot. Yeah. Um, USC is very bad at it, uh, too. So that's awful. Th- th- there's awful. a lot. There's a lot of really good information. If you want to know how your team stacks up, I, I suggest go reading it. So, okay, Bill, go to the questions now. Sorry cool. for that. That's all right. No, thank you. First question, very important topic, one near and dear to, to both our hearts. And you, McDonald, close. You have much. <laughs> you have you have much better perspective on this than I do because you have lived in both places longer. Which city has better pizza? This is from Trent D. Phoenix or Columbus? Ooh. Phoenix is interesting because everybody who lives in Phoenix is not from Phoenix. So there is a lot of different styles available in Phoenix that aren't available in Columbus. But I... I have a really hard time with this because my favorite pizza in the entire world is in Phoenix, but I think the Columbus style pizza is my preferred type. So I think Columbus probably and like, listen, pizza Bianco is like people believe to be the best pizza on the face of the earth. Um, I think it's just fine. Like it's just uh, (laughs) like Neapolitan style, you know, like foo-foo pizza to me. Um, But people seem to like, think that's the best pizza ever. Um, but also Phoenix also has a place called crust brothers. Um, and if you live in Phoenix and you listen to the show, the person who made this place called, so I'm, you know what? I'm going to say Phoenix because Phoenix has a lot of the pizza that you want. It's got the best pizza in the world. Spinatos, but crust brothers is literally Tommy's. Did I tell you this? Your dad told me this at the, the welcome party we had for your wedding the night before. And I, I'm, I'm mad at myself because we were in Phoenix shortly after that, and I wanted to go there. I couldn't remember the name of it. Landis, it's literally Tommy's. There's no yep. difference. You can't – like, I've had it before, and I if you put Tommy's in front of me and this place in front of me, and I was eating them in the same sitting, I wouldn't be able to tell which one came from where. Are they um, the same people? The person who owned Crust Brothers worked at Tommy's. Okay. So there is a direct connection there. I don't know what the connection was, but the ingredients, the crust, the sauce, everything is the same. So if you love Columbus pizza and you're partial to Tommy's, you can actually even get that in, in, in Phoenix, which is what makes Phoenix so cool. Because they have all the Neapolitan, like rich people type pizzas that people like, but they have oregano's. Um, they have Spinato's, which is my personal favorite. They also have every Chicago chain there. Um, it's a very good melting pot for restaurants because people bring their fare from other parts of the country to it. So 
I would I would hinder or I would lean toward Phoenix, but I also there are a few pieces uh, pizza places in Phoenix or I mean in Columbus that I very much appreciate that you can't duplicate. I very much like Massey's, and I don't think I've had a pizza that's like Massey's anywhere else but Columbus. So um, great great pizza towns, both of them. But I think I would just go Phoenix because of the variety. Uh, by the way, um, I don't know if you saw this on Twitter or not, but it's so there's a Giordano's here in Columbus, and yeah. now it sounds like there's going to be a Lou Malnati's here in Columbus as well. I've always thought Giordano's was the best one, and like I think their flavor of their crust and their sauce and their cheese is just the best. Um, and I actually heard that Giordano's makes a great thin crust, and I've had it with you before. It's and very do. good. Yeah, it's very. Um, good. And I I personally like eating deep dish, like when I'm in Chicago. It's not my preferred pizza because I feel like shit after I eat it. It's, Pul- it's very pulverizing. Heavy. Pulverizing. Um, so, but they have the Giordano's in Phoenix too. So, the fact that Giordano's is kind of like branching out and is becoming a thing, I think is cool. I think they've got very good pizza. Um, I thought it was better than Lou Malnati's. Yeah, I like I like Giordano's better than Lou Malnati's. I like I like Lou Malnati's. I think better than Gino's East. Um, Gino's is the bottom of the barrel Chicago I like, style. I like Pequod's better than all of them. Yeah, Pequod's was delicious. Um, it's like a little different, and there's only two locations. I think they're both in Chicago, um, but I think it's the best of the bunch. So if you're looking, if you're in Chicago looking for deep dish pizza, pizza, I think Ari and I both would give Pequod's our highest endorsement. And it's uh, not like the other ones. It's like pan. It's not. Yeah, it's more like a pan pizza. It's more it, of a yeah. pan pizza than it is like a brick in your stomach deep dish pizza. And the cheese caramelizes on the edges. It's so good. Yeah, it's almost like a. It's like a. It's like Detroit style and pan pizza had sex. That's that. That should be their slogan. Yeah, it's like Detroit. Yeah, Detroit. Detroit uh, style and Chicago style had a baby, and it's Pequot's Pizza, and it's delicious. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Okay. Also, I had that worst heartburn of my life that night because that sauce was so acidic. But it that was, was worth it. that was the day we went to the Northwestern game, and then I That's broke right. my ankle. I broke my ankle, and KJ Hill's dad helped me off the ground. <laughs> yeah, I was not only was I as large as I am all the time, I was also large and filled with pizza. So that guy did a lot of work to get me off the ground. Appreciate that. Shout out to him. Uh, there was a, a, a little bit of a scheme question here. Well, Landis, what is your answer? You've been to both places. Uh, my answer is probably Columbus because I've just I've not had the only pizza in Phoenix that I've actually had is Spinatos and Oregano's, and I like them both. Spinatos is very good. Your favorite spot is is very good. Um, Oregano's I think is just just fine, but I just I've had more here. So speaking from experience, I think I think I would have to say Columbus. Well, and also Spinatos last week together. Um, yeah, and it took a big group there. Messed up and didn't get to sit on the same edge of the table. But what was your take on it? The most recently, it, it was good. Recently. I so yeah, you were. We got split up, and like you were, you were on the end of the table that was like there to do some damage. I think, and I was on the end of the table where like people were ordering salads as an appetizer. Um, so I ended up just yeah, ordering. You, you were on the wrong side. But. <laughs> <laughs> I just I just ended up ordering uh, a personal pizza that was very good. But I I found myself looking down at your end of the table longingly as like you and Eddie Staples had two pizzas <laughs> the size of Texas in front of you. Well, um, you you could have had some. You did, didn't you? I did. I, I had. I, I did yeah. the conveyor belt down to the other end. You did, yeah, because I just couldn't take it anymore. I had to have some <laughs> of it. But uh, it wasn't it wasn't like our normal uh, trip there where it's just me and you and we order like two medium pizzas and house them both. Yeah. 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 I miss those days. Were, those I, people approved of it, and it means a lot to me when people like it. Because I, I don't want to be that I, – I hate – because I do think that a lot of people give food suggestions that just suck. Mm-hmm. 
Like sometimes I'll be like, dude, you got to go check this place out. And then you go there. I'm like, has this person eaten here before? <laughs> and I don't want to be a person that hypes up food and then you go to it and then it sucks. Yeah. So like I hype up this pizza place very much and I want people to be like, he's onto something. Everyone seemed pretty pleased. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was good. It was great. It was as good as I remember it. And it was a nice restaurant too. I don't think I've ever been to that particular That was one. a it was new nice. location. Yeah, it was nice. Um my but my vote is still for Columbus. I like I like a Massey's. Um I actually don't don't mind a Tommy's. Um I really like Polly G's, which is like not a Columbus based place, but it's here and it's good. I like yellow brick a lot, so there's there's good variety here as well, not just mm-hmm. the normal kind of square cut Columbus Midwest style you get most yeah. places. Um all right, let me answer this uh Scheme question from Adam M. Um, he said, OSU fans, players, media say the last year's defense was too simple, but years ago they ran a defense under Greg Schiano that was said to be, <clears throat> excuse me, said to be too complex. Will the 2022 defense be better because of Jim Knowles, or will it be better because it just has to change every five years? Uh, that was that's actually a funny way of putting it. Um, I think I think you're right in the question, Adam. That that. It was too simple. When guys uh, after the fact are saying, you know, we, we're happy to have more than two plays now, uh, that's a problem. And it's like less of a problem when you have Chase Young, but it's still a problem even when you have Chase Young. Uh, you need to be more diverse than that. Um, I, I think the complexity with like Greg Schiano's defense was not not so much in like the overall scheme itself. I think, and if someone listening knows more about football scheme than, than I do, feel free to tweet me or email me to correct me but i think with shiano's defense there was a lot of like if this then that kind of stuff just like a lot of checks that had to happen within a play that i think got guys crossed up quite a bit and sort of made the defense as a whole easier to manipulate and and obviously when you're simple you're easy to manipulate and that happened with last year's defense i think jim Knowles' defense is more complex in the sense that it has more things it can throw at you but it's not as complex for the players because like within that play, you're just kind of doing one thing. And it's like, you hear the call, you know what you're doing and you're like, you're reading and reacting to it. Like you're still playing football, but I don't think like your, your brain is getting all jumbled up trying to think of a million things at one time. So it's like a football cliche. It's like simple for me, complex for you or or something like that. Um, I think that's more along the lines of, of what Jim Knowles is going to do. So like, I'm not worried about Jim Knowles' defense being too complex for the players to pick up. Um, I do think there's a lot to it, but I think he's now worked in it for so long that he's capable of teaching it in a way that won't be too much for Ohio State's players to handle. And I don't think we'll be sitting here this time next year saying like, man, that was too much. It was too complex. Like some of the stuff we were still saying, we were saying it, when Greg Shiano was. It does kind of feel like it is what he said, though. It's like every five years, there's like a cycle. It's like defense is broken, fixed it. It's awesome. It's awesome. Oh my God, it's not that good. It's terrible. Fix it again. You know, well, that, that's like, what it was like 20, 2013. Yeah. They lost the orange bowl to Clemson. They lost to Michigan state. Everyone's like, got to, got to scrap the defense. They did it. They won a national championship. Chris Ash was here for two years. He left. The defense was still good after he left in like 16 and 17. It was still okay. Um, 16 was very good. 17 was okay. And then 18 was like, Greg Shiano doesn't have to coach football anymore. This is terrible. Scrap it. They scrapped it. Brought in Halfley, brought in Greg Madison. It was good. Those guys left. Brought in Kerry Combs. It was a disaster. I had to scrap it, and now we're here again. There's a a circle of life here with Ohio State's defense. So Ohio State's going to win the national title this year is what you're saying? What I'm saying is Ohio State is going to win the national title this year, and then two years from now, everyone's going to think Jim Knowles is the worst defensive coach on the planet. Because Maryland is going to rush for 677 (laughs) yards on him in 2025. Yeah, That's right. But but at least you'll you'll all have a ring out of it, which I think – And he'll be the head coach at Rutgers. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) He'll be the head coach at Rutgers and trying to do an impersonation of Urban Meyer that will ultimately not work and get him fired. Yes. Did I say that out loud? Sorry. Um, 
yeah, don't do that. Just be yourself. Don't try to imitate the guy who hired you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Uh, okay. Last question for both of us here. Um, maybe I probably should have <laughs> given you this beforehand. So you had time to think about it. Oh, great. It's not, it's not a, it's not like a super heavy lift, but, um, in, in the spirit of like the NFL draft, you know, being not too far in the rear view mirror, Andrew J asked, which player will have the biggest rise up NFL draft boards this year? Which Ohio state player will have the biggest rise up NFL draft boards this year? So like CJ Stroud, he has Stroud, to be draft eligible. Yeah. So CJ Stroud, obviously, like I, I probably can't be the answer because he's kind of already near the top, and I think like Jackson Smith and Jigba is but people, pretty close to the top. People too. believe that CJ might be the number one overall pick. Is that where we're at right now with him? It's right now. It's either him, Brace Young, or Will Anderson, and probably the quarterbacks because they're quarterbacks. But he has to be draft eligible. Uh huh. Damn, you should have told me this before, dude. I think there's one kind of obvious answer, although depending on who you talk to, this guy's already kind of high too. It's Paris Johnson. Well, yeah, I mean, he's the obvious one because he changed positions too to his natural position. Um, but, but what, do you, what like, about somebody like way under the radar is what I'm trying to think though. Like you can finish but, your point about Paris Johnson, but that's not where I wanted to go with it. I have I have an under the maybe more under radar one we could talk about too. Um, like Paris Johnson, I got multiple questions in the mailbag I'm writing about the 2023 offensive line and what it's going to look like. Because I think there's an assumption that Paris Johnson's not going to be here next year, and he's in the first round of a lot of early mock drafts. And it, it, he's a he's a good player. He's a five star prospect for a reason. And I think part of that is doesn't look like a particularly strong tackle class draft class at the moment. And he was the number one guy at the class that is now becoming draft eligible. Like that's kind of simple arithmetic to get to the point where you project him as a first round pick. He hasn't played tackle <laughs> in co- like in a college game yet, like in a, in a meaningful way. Um, and there's not many examples of guys who only played tackle for one year and then were first round picks the following year. It's not to say that Paris can't do it, but I'm, I feel like I'm sort of like out on the limb a little bit as the guy who's like, are we sure he's going to be a first round pick? And again, it's not that he's, I think he's going to be bad. I just think that's a position that requires time and reps and he doesn't have a lot of them yet. So I like, think he has athleticism size. Of course he does. And yeah. if, if he has a very good year, I think he'll be a first round pick because I think that being a first round pick in the NFL is every bit of, as much about projection of what they're going to be as it is about what they've done. And yeah, I think that that sure. really plays well into his situation. Do you want to know who came up in my head? Yes. And I might be full of shit. And he might not even be a draftable prospect right now, but it was like completely outside the box. Steel Chambers. That's an interesting one. I feel like if he plays like a madman and a more talented defense that, um, you know, plays more cohesively and is still blowing people up, that he could go from pretty good linebacker who's still learning his way to like badass. This is a defense that funnels a lot of action to the linebackers. So like whatever, I don't know Steel Chambers statistical numbers off the top of my head from last year whatever they are 
they could conceivably be like double this year because I just of like the nature of the defense that he's in. So if you have production and you have traits like he's really fast for a linebacker, I can 100% see that. I think he's still very raw at the position, but I can like. But this is what the question is, though, right? Like that athletic profile. Yeah. Who do you think could could improve their draft? And he's six foot one, 230 pounds. Yeah. Like, I mean, he's built. He had seven. Let me see if I can look up his stats last year. He had 47 tackles, um, one sack, an interception, and a forced fumble. Yeah, that's actually a really good answer. Um, and it's not to say, like, I don't think he's going to be a first-round pick because linebackers aren't No, but it could go way. from, like, undraftable go, to, like, yeah, third-round pick real quick. He can go from, I was a running back <laughs> a year ago to two years later being, like, a guy who gets, yeah, good draft. And also, too, round. remember what Darren Lee did. Yep. And it was over a multiple-year period, so maybe that's not a good example. But if you have a if you have a very fast, athletic, and aggressive linebacker who blows shit up at Ohio State, he could play his way into the second day. Yep, I think that's a really good answer. Um, another, def- I don't think there's anyone else on offense. Like Mayan Williams, I I don't think so. Um, Matthew Jones, I'm interested in as a guard. Who's finally going to start full time this year again? Not like a high draft pick, but a guy who could become you know, maybe like a top ten player at his position um, in the draft. Uh, on on defense, Ronnie Ronnie Hickman, I think, is an interesting one. If he's going to he he and Josh Proctor both, I guess, but Josh Proctor is like is a guy who was like a top hundred player. Ronnie Hickman was close to that. Um, but if he's going to play free safety in this defense, he's going to have a lot of responsibility, making calls. Um, he showed a little bit last year that he can play in the box, and he was pretty good. He had a hundred tackles. Um, if he shows that, if he shows range this year, a little more coverage ability, um, I think he could rise too. And I guess you'd, you'd probably say the same thing for Josh Proctor as long as he can get, be healthy and get on the field. I think he's a guy who could pop as well. But um, Could Jerron yeah. Cage be somebody who has a really good year? I always feel like def- the interior defensive line for Ohio State has these late bloomers. They do often have them. I don't know. I'm I'm kind of operating under the assumption that Mike Hall and Tyleek Williams are going to end up playing more than those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would probably say no. Like when I, I wrote a story maybe a week or two ago about guys to watch for the 2023 draft, and like I didn't even include Teron Vincent. After Haskell Garrett didn't get drafted, I didn't even include Which is Teron fu- Vincent. It's freaking crazy, isn't it? <laughs> I, am, I, I almost dropped an F-bomb there, but I remember him going undrafted. And I was like, what the hell? He had an awesome – was it two years ago when he was awesome? 2020, he was great. He was an All-American. I think 2021, I, he didn't get better. Um, he was maybe the same, and I think you could argue he was a little worse. Um, I think maybe he had some injury stuff. He's undersized for his position. So, But to go, that that to me is like, okay, so what? He's like a fifth-round pick? Like he's, he's, for him to not get drafted, I was pretty shocked by that. Um, yeah. But, but, then it all, but then it made me think like, well, like Teron Vincent and Jerron Cage don't have half the production that Haskell Garrett had, so like, why would they get drafted? Um, yeah, but that but they have different size measurables and phys- and like physical attributes. Maybe I think ascension in your final year matters. Yeah, like Devon Hamilton, like went nuts right. last year and became a third round pick. He was like borderline number. I think he was he was number nine ninety eight overall in his recruiting class. I looked this up the other day, and then he was the seventy third pick in the draft. Yep. So, but I don't think I don't think that's out there for the older defensive tackles on this team. Cause I think that we'll get to the point where they're kind of more rotational and backups to the younger guys. So I think you're better than them. Um, but steel chambers, I'm definitely on board with Proctor Hickman. Um, and then a couple guys on the offensive line, 
I'm trying to think of anything else. Anyone else? Well, there's not that many options because a lot of a large portion of Ohio State's team um, is young and, the, and not draftable yet. Yeah, the guys you think have the most potential aren't draft eligible. I year. think that there's a there's a long podcast to be had of which which players can turn into being guys. Um, yes, but that doesn't mean that they can leave yet. So that yeah. I feel like restricting it to juniors or redshirt sophomores makes it a little bit more challenging. Yeah. All right, uh, we'll wrap up there. No more questions. Well, there's plenty of questions that I'm answering in a mailbag that you can read on The Athletic, theathletic.com slash 4-6. We'll get you signed up. You can read the stuff that I write about the Buckeyes. You can read Ari's national recruiting stories. You got anything coming up you want to plug for the people? Uh, I don't know if they will care, uh, but I am writing a story about a sophomore quarterback who looks like an eight-year-old uh, <laughs> who's getting offers, if you if you want to look out for that. Um, the kid from Dallas? Yeah. yeah. I mean, when I interviewed him, I thought I was at a daycare. <laughs> Like I mean, honestly, I like I didn't. Even, I felt weird interviewing him. The kid threw like forty four touchdowns last year and has SEC offers though. So I mean, yeah. I, I I actually asked the coach afterwards. I said, "Is this safety hazard to put that thing on the field?" <laughs> like I, mean, I don't even know. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if it's just me getting older or if he just looked particularly young. I think it's us getting older. Yesterday, yesterday was JT Tuimolowell's nineteenth birthday. Tuesday was, and like I saw that and I yelled like audibly, like I couldn't. Because sometimes you talk to these players, you're like, "Oh, that, that's a grown man." Nope. Yeah, he was eighteen last year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but like the the, I don't remember recruits, and usually they don't because Ohio State recruits. Um, and I have to remember too. Sometimes when I'm doing these national stories, I'm not interviewing Ohio State recruits all the time. But Ohio State recruits are always very physically advanced. So even when you're talking to children, um, they like Zach Harrison did not look like a child when I was interviewing him when he was in high school. You know, uh, Jack Sawyer didn't look like a child. I mean, this kid looked like a child. Um, so you know, but he's also awesome and going to be the starting quarterback and uh, in an SEC team and maybe in the NFL in five years. And it's just like that's how quickly it happens. So, well, maybe not five for him because he's a sophomore, but you get it. Um, and then, you know, some other stuff coming down the pipeline that I'm working out. So, you know, maybe me and Bill, uh, might be teaming up on something too. So just, just keep a lookout, subscribe to the athletic. Um, we love the support. Thank you so much for listening. I love you, Bill. Um, I'll let you close it. Cause that, that all didn't really make much sense. <laughs> sure. Uh, one more thing next, next week, our, our state of the program series has started our like off season. Look at a bunch of programs across the country started last week. Uh, Ohio State is next week. So you have that to look forward to as well. Like a, a deep dive just sort of on where the program is, you know, player kind of player by player, bigger picture stuff. Um, hoping I will have a conversation with Ryan Day this week uh, for that. I think that's supposed to happen on Thursday. So hopefully that still happens and you can read that story next week as well um, at The Athletic. Again, theathletic.com slash 4-6 is where you sign up. Thank you so much for supporting what we do. Thank you for listening to the podcast and we'll talk to you guys next week.